Welcome to Between Two Chairs, Demystifying Commercial Real Estate, the podcast that brings you the latest insights and trends on the South Florida commercial real estate market with your hosts, Fernando Arencivia Jr. and Jennifer Woolman. In each episode, we dive into the world of commercial real estate and break down complex concepts to make them accessible for everyone. Whether you're a real estate professional, a curious investor, or just interested in the South Florida market in general, Between Two Chairs is the podcast for you. So pull up a chair and join us. So hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode, a very special episode of uh, Between Two Chairs. We're in Miami. It is thundering very heavily right now. <laughs> and there could only be one reason why it's thundering very, very heavily. is because we have a lot of power coming into the room. And we're so excited to have our first interview of Between Two Chairs. So we are very excited. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to toss it over to my partner in crime to introduce our wonderful, wonderful guest. Yeah, so as Fernando says, there's not only thunder, there's lightning, which is perfect for Emily Line, the vice president of member experience for the Realtors Property Resource. Sorry, I know it is RPR. So from now on, I'm just going to say RPR so I don't mangle it. And she's with us today and she is electric. She is so much fun. She is super, super smart. And we are thrilled that she is our first guest. So thank you so much for being here, Emily. We really appreciate you. Oh, my pleasure. And wow, that's a lot of good stuff. I hope nobody in my household walks in and gives you the other bit. <laughs> <laughs> we'll save that for an off off podcast uh, <laughs> moment. So I wanted to start out with the fact that you went to the other UM, where the mascot is a wolverine and not an ibis, where you bleed blue and maize, which for those of you who aren't from Michigan or South Florida, that means corn in Spanish. So you guys bleed blue and maize versus green and orange, and your logo is an M versus a U. And the weather's a little bit cooler there in the winter. So Tell me a little bit about your experience there. They have a bizarre, I guess, habit of or custom of walking in and out of the fountain. Did you walk in the fountain when you got there and out of the fountain when you graduated? If there's a tradition in Ann Arbor, Michigan, I've done them all. Um, (laughs) My name is Emily because it's the closest thing to Emgo Blue. My father, who's also a Wolverine, could come up with. And um, I, I say I've been brainwashed from birth, but honest to God, I, it's a it's an, an opt in, and I'll opt in every day of the week. I uh, love Ann Arbor, Michigan, even though I live on the West Coast now. And this is a little bit of my crazy. I live in Orange County, California. I have season football tickets, and I do not miss a home football game. So I leave on a Friday out of John Wayne Airport in Orange County, California. I head to Detroit, I watch football, and I fly back every Sunday. Oh, my God. I love you even more. That is so awesome. <laughs> and it's a tradition I have with my dad. And so I promised in all these moves I've made since grad school at U of M, um, University of Michigan, um, <laughs> I have made my way you know, from Ann Arbor to Chicago for a decade out west. I still keep that tradition because it's, it's what I do with my pops. Aren't you secretly glad they didn't call you Maze? <laughs> <laughs> right, right, yes. 
I love it. By the way, it's so infectious. Whenever I see your picture on social media and you're in a you know Michigan game, the excitement, you really capture that extremely well. I, I think one day we're going to have to catch a game with her. Yes. I can only imagine. Yes. We have many season tickets and anybody who anybody who wants to join Come on board because uh, many of you know my my one of my besties, Dina Zimmerman, who's a commercial broker and a realtor. Uh, she's a Minnesota Golden Gopher, and we still get her to the big house in Ann Arbor. And they don't have to be playing Minnesota. Oh my gosh, I can't imagine being at a game with the two of you. I wouldn't even be watching the game. I think I would just be watching the two of you watching the game. I'm only glad that we're from Miami, so that way we're trained to be able to survive the two of you over a weekend. <laughs> Because otherwise, you know, for a lesser person, it could be very, very detrimental to their health. Well, y'all are our people, so <laughs> you can bring it. The thunder and lightning, let's do it. So tell us a little bit, what are your best memories, either from school or that time in your life? Well, aside from the athletics, which I'm diehard in all, women's, men's sports, doesn't matter. I do a lot of them. I go back to, I love women's softball too, and I go back to a bunch of those games. I was really, really happy to be at the University of Michigan because when I finished um, undergrad and started grad school, I was never, I, this is going to be shocking to both of you, I know, I never liked to color within the lines. So when I started out grad school, I was like, I want to be in a, a field that has research and works closely with people and is something that's on the forefront of, of giving back to communities. What does that look like? And they're like, well, do you want to go into public policy? Do you want to get your MBA? Do you want to get your master's in social work? And I was like, I want all of those. And my family was like, Oh, no, you do not. You're never going to get out of school. So I, I loved the program. I ended up getting a, a master's in social work because it was very much focused on a lot of those areas. And I did a lot of research on communities and ecosystems. And um, I had fun with the public policy program, the MBA program. And so that whole thing was like, I'm, uh, I'm not stuck to one program. I'm going to figure out bits that I can learn from each and where that takes me. I didn't completely know where it was going to go, but I knew at the heart of it that I loved studying people and I loved studying communities and I wanted to be a part of something that helped communities thrive. Michigan gave me that. I also was, you know, this perfectionist student that was like the school social works number one in the country. I am getting in there. I'm getting in early enrollment and I'm going to tell them everything that I know. Well, turns out they needed to tell me things that I didn't know. That ego got like smaller and smaller and that that sponge for learning got filled. And so I was um, I was stoked to be there. And I met a really good friend, uh, mentor and someone I interned with for two years, have had a friendship with for 23 years. And um, his name is Greg Harden. He is one of the best human beings on the planet. He was the associate athletic director at the University of Michigan. I begged him for an internship. I begged him. I said, there's so much I can do to help your student athletes with leadership and all these other things off the field and off the court. And he was like, really? So I've been doing this a long time and you're coming in and saying that you can do these things. Do you have any idea how to work with a fire breathing coach? And I was like, no, but I'm going to figure it out. And so he has been somebody that has shaped my life forever. He's pseudo retired from the University of Michigan after Many, many years of being there, I call him the the athletic whisperer, but he has a background the same as as mine as an MSW. And he worked with the likes of Tom Brady, Michael Phelps, Desmond Howard, Charles Woodson, and many, many, many more athletes. 
And so I was like, if you can coach these incredible athletes to be even more amazing than they are with talent wise, I, I've got to get my you know notepad out and take notes. And so I'd say he is the biggest reason that I love the University of Michigan and subtle plug. I'm reading the book before it comes out. Oh, wow. He is all of the teachings from forever ago are in this book. And somehow I ended up in here, which is crazy because I didn't know that he'd actually keep me as an intern. That's amazing. So tell us a little bit about your cameo in his book, because I'm, I'm so glad you brought this up yeah. because I had it down as one of my questions. So well, what's what and can you yeah. tell us again for those that are listening, what is the name of the book? Sure, sure. It's Stay Sane in an Insane World. And uh, Greg is really focused on controlling your controllables, whether you're an athlete, a CEO, somebody just starting out at whatever you want to be doing. It's this reflection back on yourself. And, you know, there was a moment in time and Tom, like we're on a first name basis, Tom Brady <laughs> was in school around the same time I was. And there was a time where he wasn't the starter. And he was a, he was going to leave football. And he has said on uh, different interviews with Greg and many other places that he would not be playing football today if it wasn't for Greg Harden. And Greg's ability to bring Luke out the lots of Dolphins fans, by the way. Oh, oh, oh! But your people in Tampa are sure love him. <laughs> yes, yes. So, so Greg is just this guru who can take you back into yourself and allow you to see what you can't see that get blocked because of busy life or what, whatever. And with me, the chapter on <laughs> he wrote in here about me is about. I'll tell you the name of it. Only an assertive you can be a successful you. And he calls me Emily's assertive communication techniques were so well developed that her career became unlimited. And I go, did you just call me bossy? And he goes, no. <laughs> so he teaches these incredible skills to just remind yourself how you can be accountable, how you can reap benefits from other people. It's not just about being assertive and I'm going to negotiate and I'm going to get what I want. You can't win if you don't understand what others need as well. And just pieces like that that are just incredible. His book comes out April 15th, but it's available for pre-sale and Amazon. Is it April 15th or August 15th? Did I say April? I said April, but we're in May. I am absolutely off my rocker. August 15th. <laughs> it's okay. We'll forgive you having just come back from ICSC. You probably still have some of that coursing through your veins. It is. My my memory late after uh, three days in Vegas is usually a little shaky at best. I'm curious, Emily, because, you know, you start and this is something that I find very interesting. Oftentimes in our industry, people that come from another level of education, they were interested in other things. You know, they find that a lot of the skills that they learn are applicable within this industry. And sometimes that's where innovation comes from. So I'm I'm wondering before we get to that, how do you how do you then go from you know you're you're out of school, you're working with these athletes, you're you're doing all this work. How do you find in your path your way to being with RPR? Great question. So I knew one thing I wanted to be in Chicago. I was a girl that was loving Ann Arbor. After I interned for athletics, the president of the University of Michigan and the vice president for student affairs heard some of the things that I had helped with the leadership in the student athlete group. And so I worked for two years for the president's office at U of M with multicultural groups. 
And a lot of the different student groups, there's there's hundreds of them at U of M and making sure that there was synergy and the best version of these groups were recognized. I loved every second of it. Royster Harper, who they're naming a dorm after, is the person that hired me. She was the vice president for student affairs. Another incredible mentoring experience, but she knew, Greg knew, um, this bird wanted to fly to Chicago. And so I ended up leaving Ann Arbor in in pursuit of other opportunities. I did a couple different jobs while in Chicago because, as Greg noted, I wasn't taking no for an answer. I was getting to Chicago and I would figure it out. My mom and dad, a little less excited about that, you know, free will to you're going to Chicago, you're going to live in the city and you're going to figure it out. Not so sure about that. And I was like, I will. Don't worry. And so I took a job where I was doing marketing biz dev at a horse racetrack, to which I learned a lot there, worked with uh, negotiating, you know, beer deals, pop deals, which in Michigan we call it pop, and all sorts of good stuff there. Learned what I had to learn, moved into a marketing biz dev for a, a big insurance company that was based between Chicago and New York. So this young professional was like, oh, yeah, I can split time between Chicago and New York. Of course, I'll do it. And then enter, that's only two years in Chicago. I was being recruited by the National Association of Realtors at that time. And when I asked about the research and the ability to work with within communities and understand a lot of the different pieces that my master's was offering me when I was working on my thesis and different research pieces, I was like, Okay, this travel bug, I can travel, but I want to I want to get to know like Dr. Lawrence Yoon and I want to um be able to work with all these incredibly gifted data scientists and and I just geeked out. And so I have been with the National Association of Realtors at some capacity for 16 years now. Wow. 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 Yep. I love that. You're you're a mentor for NAR's Reach program. I am. And- also for tech stars. How did you get involved with those two mentorships? Is it something that you just kind of fell into or to put it your way, did you just geek out on the tech? So signed up for everything? I love the idea of forecasting what the future looks like any way, shape or form. And and as both of you know, for me, studying how that research works with tech, it was just I freak out, I geek out, all those things. So I think some of my crazy personality also was what attracted some of the brave people at Reach to me um, because I will sit and start just, you know, dancing if I think something's awesome. So I think there's an immediate reaction that that the tech folks have. And all joking aside, I just, I feel like in, in general, the way that we have the ability to look at tech on behalf of our users is so important which for me, I've only ever worked on the side of the National Association of Realtors, which all in in Institute Affiliates, all we do is build and do things that benefit our members. And so I think that perspective was also very an easy connection between myself and the REACH program, since REACH is part of NAR. Techstars is an interesting one. I was on a board of advisors for Commission Track. Turner Levison is an incredibly gifted young technologist. And when they started... He's based in Atlanta. When he started building Commission Track, I started uh, helping and advising, and he listened. He listened really well um, to many people, not just me. And so he was one of the tech star companies. And so I went to Atlanta and watched him pitch, and it was like 
watching family graduate from like an awesome, you know, school. It was just amazing. And so I think some of the pieces for me that keeps me growing with building RPR is also watching how younger companies are working and having the ability to be on that mentoring side fills my soul personally because it's just you, when you watch somebody else achieve it's just it's an awesome thing. So I like being in in both those worlds. Turner uh, with Commission Track went on to sell his company to Yardy. He's off and flying and having all sorts of good good stuff. His dad's a commercial broker, so he comes by all these pieces very easily. Um, so a shout out to Danny on here too, who's in Atlanta. Yeah. So those are some of the ways that I got involved in the tech and. From the RPR commercial perspective, RPR was already started to be built on the residential side. I was working for NAR Commercial as they started to think about, well, gosh, we've got to do something that benefits our commercial constituency as well. And so, as I like to say, there was a draft that took place and I, I made the cut and got the draft pick and got to come on and help build the RPR commercial piece with our members. That's awesome. I, I find really interesting that in your journey, you found a, a real sense of community in Michigan. And undoubtedly, I think that other people would have said, I just don't want to leave the university system. You know, I'm just so comfortable here. These are my people. And the fact that you had that desire within you to stretch your boundaries and to go into the uncomfortable. So I, I wonder, as you go through your journey, because you're you're working with technology that is at, at the forefront of changes in the industry, you know, how much does that influence your work with RPR? R RPR, we know, is always looking to expand and grow and be better. And I, I wonder how much of that is influenced by your own inner desire of always expanding your horizons and getting into uncomfortable set settings. I think my whole life has been built on, on challenges. I mean, I said to um, Jeff Young, our general manager, who uh, he and I have been a team for my entire time with RPR, Hey, if I get bored, I'm gone. And I said, that's not a threat. That's just, it's just a reality. When he asked me things about who I am personally, I said, I always want to make sure that we're moving the needle and we're thinking way ahead on things. And he'd have to tell you if he thinks that that has helped on, on our tech side. But I, I know that our team is always, I think, mostly laughing. And then sometimes like, oh, what is she bringing now? But that's just, that's just, I believe you can never be, you're never at your best right out of the gate. You have to continuously keep working. And that energy, as long as I'm I'm here on this earth, will never change. That is definitely who I am. I I love the idea of, as you put it, uncomfortable situations are the best learning ones. I love to to get into places that make me think. If I'm not thinking, if I'm complacent, I'm done with something. Yep. So I know that was ooh, that was kind of serious. Ooh, that, was, that was that was serious. What a what a great song. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I hope I hope we get to meet you in Atlanta for C five <laughs> in September. That that'd be fun. Oh, you will because I mean you opened the door to showing me what Miami commercial is all about. So all of a sudden I'm like the adopted Miami commercial folk in this in this big party. And I do still have my pin from C5 last year that you gave me, Fernando. <laughs> I, I mean, if you have more flair I can put on, I'll be your poster child. I, I am a big fan of Miami commercial. Be careful because we'll never let you go. I was gonna, yeah. <laughs> Promise? Now with pink flamingos. So look yeah, out with the flamingos. Stop. Stop. 
I think you guys know I, I like flair. So anything that you have, I'm ready. <laughs> You're so busy. You're just everywhere. I love how full of life you are and you bring so much energy to everything you do. You also sit on the board of directors for special day camps, which sounds like it's much more personal and I imagine much more emotional than the tech world. So tell us a little bit about that role and what you've learned being involved with that organization. Sure. This one's very personal for me. When I was uh, much younger, my sister was diagnosed with leukemia and she and I found fun in special days camp. Her oncologist was the founder of, of this camp. It's the second oldest running oncology camp in the world. And so while there's so much involved with childhood cancer that's um, incredibly serious and, and it forces kids to grow up fast, camp was a place that, that we could find fun in. It's one of those situations where my sister Katie lost her battle with leukemia. And for me, continuing on um, and starting out volunteering for the camp, but now being on the board is something that I do to honor her existence. I am very close with the founding family of Special Days, and to see families that go through so much be able to trust in a place where their kids can go and they can have a little break from cancer themselves, because when you're a parent that has children that are, are battling childhood cancer, you're a helicopter. You're even more protective than you are as kids that are out on the playground. And so, you know, for me, I, I, I love the fact that we, in the entire board, not just me and, and a lot of other volunteers, it's not a paid staff, raw volunteers, allow for a safe space for kids to be kids and parents to take a little break from, from the disease. We celebrated, and I lose track of time, especially with the pandemic, the 40 years of special days um, before the pandemic hit. And uh, my family, my mom and dad have a have a place in, in Michigan that's big, wide open lake. And so we invited families that have been connected for over 40 years to the lake and to celebrate. And I think that might be, will go down in history as one of my favorite memories to watch and see all of us celebrate those who beat cancer and those who didn't, but come together and um, recognize how wonderfully special, hence the name Special Days Camp is. That's amazing. And thank you so much for sharing that story and going down the personal the personal route and letting us share in that and why it's so special for you. And we're thrilled to hear that there's something that you found that brings so much joy to so many, because as we said at the beginning, your, your energy is contagious. So thank you for that and for helping that community as well. Emily, that it's very important for an individual to be involved with something greater than themselves, that there is something really grounding about that experience. And then when you do something to give back and it's not for selfish reasons or because you got to pay bills or, you know, but it is it's something that you give off yourself to be a part of something larger and that has a, a greater meaning. 100%. Well said. Yeah. Yes, I do. I do. I find incredible joy in figuring out how really we keep the camp always running and that it's that the parents feel comfortable for their kids to go, that all kids get a scholarship. So these families don't have another burden of expense. Like you said it best. It just feels it's it's just the right thing to do. And it and I think it makes us all when we volunteer and do these things better in our in our everyday lives because it's it's a reality check. Exactly. It keeps it helps keep us grounded, right? Yes. To what's important. So I think I mentioned that we do a fun stat, right? Is it time for the fun stat or 
Uh, Do you have more questions? I know Fernando and I have been talking about you for like, since you said yes to this. (laughs) I wanted to ask you, the thing that I really love about tech is, especially prop tech is, that it's the leadership behind the ideas that is really captivating to me because leadership is guiding the conversation. You know, as a prop tech company, you're part of a larger ecosystem. And I'm I'm wondering from your perspective, what is the, the need that RPR for those that haven't used it or maybe are not using it enough, what is the need that RPR is is fulfilling within the ecosystem of prop tech and within the world of of, of the realtor and the broker? Sure. So RPR commercial is an evolution. And, you know, we started out thinking that we needed to provide a place where, you know, you see the off-market opportunities, the on-market opportunities, the rich economic and demographic stats to understand the community and business points of interest and all these things. There's so much data coming to one place that from just purely that perspective first, you know, the, the thing that makes me not sleep at night and then wake up like ready to go is um, how do you put all of that in one place yet make it easy to get? Because in this study, here comes the research bit. We study users, we study practitioners, and we want to understand everything, not how they use our tech, but also every sort of energy that comes into their world so that we build the right stuff that it's easy to get. And so from our perspective, at first with what we do well, it was a decrease the steps, make sure stuff, there's enough white space, and this sounds silly, but enough white space separating subject matter so that you can see the information quickly because what we found that even the top producers have no time. And the time that they're spending is with family and cultivating their business. And so while we want them to love our PR, we also have an empathy that time shouldn't be in our application unless they want to cruise around and geek out, but it should be that they are able to get the information fast. So we have spent the course of a decade trying to figure out, we need all this data in one place. How do you make it easy and how in the stuff that's you know, kind of, you've got an iceberg on top and that big stuff on the bottom, if you're thinking about it, how do you get it so that the system's fast? And so the stuff that users don't see, um, where it's, you know, lickety split, things go really quickly. Those are how we stay focused. And then the other piece that goes along with my crazy personality is I never believed that when I got into commercial real estate 16 years ago, that we would live in a space where people won't share. I was like, sharing is caring. We are going to push the the limits to make sure that we are working with not just, um, you know, brokers, practitioners, but also the tech companies that exist that do really cool stuff. You can't have an ego big enough that says you can do it all well. And so you have to be able to work really closely with other companies that, that do a killer job. And so I'm proud to say that we spend a lot of time with other companies who geek out to, you know, some of the persona work we do and some of the things I explained where we study commercial practitioners, since we're talking about the commercial side of this application, we do residential as well, but for this purpose, commercial, to know even personal type of things, not personal to you, Jennifer, you, Fernando, like, hey, I know what you do, but but just in general, the themes and so that you build out things that are easy to use. And so we ask those questions. If if you see a company that's partnered in RPR, it's not just, hey, what do you do well with your tech? How do you think about your users? 
And I think that really makes us stand out. And, and that's the commitment that's improved over time. We'll never be perfect, but we'll see, we'll always keep working towards the right steps. Cause I don't believe in, in perfection, um, contrary to what I used to when I was much, much younger. And so, you know, member driven tech is exactly where this future needs to be. And any tech company, you don't have to be a tech company that's owned by NAR or any entity for that matter, that's a trade association, you, you need to be a cognizant tech build, knowing that your users need to be at the center of why you're building, because the money will come if you're a subscription based entity. And that's it. And that's the piece that for me, it's been, you know, studying what those, those companies do that um, have subscription fees and that sort of thing, and understanding where our benefit lies, and not not overcomplicating what we build, but trying to figure out the right partnerships and keeping it, as I say, either stupid, simple or wicked smart. Well, you guys have done an amazing job. And in our next podcast, we're going to get into how you developed it, how you did use the Realtor member to come up with the incredible breadth of tools and affiliations that you have. You had some really interesting ones sign on early this year or late last year. So we're going to get into that in the next podcast. So don't fear, we're going to do a deep dive into RPR. But for now, it's the end of this podcast. And Fernando always likes to end with a fun stat. So I don't know if you have one, Emily, I'm going to put you on the spot for a little bit. But if you have a stat that you want to share, it could be about anything. Anything? Well, gosh, right before I joined this, um, I looked at our net promoter score. So this is a shameless RPR plug, just so you're aware. Perfect. And our net promoter score uh, for commercial folks is over a 75, which is better than any I have seen in the industry. So I am so excited coming off of ICSC and coming off of... uh, the realtors legislative meetings to to say that it's even higher than I was talking about earlier in the last three, three weeks. That's amazing. Congratulations. Thank Shows you. you guys are doing something right. You got you got you one. Go. Yeah, I'm sitting here chomping at the No, go ahead. Go ahead. Coming out of uh, DC with all of the mid-year meetings and a lot of the presentations by by the aforementioned uh, and wonderful Lawrence Yoon, chief economist for NAR, I, you know, one of the things that was heavily in discussion is that when you're looking at the market from a national perspective, it doesn't tell the story regionally. It doesn't tell the story locally. And, uh, you know, one of the things that we noticed in D.C., there was a lot of empty office space, you know, right around areas that, uh, you know, you don't find that in, in Miami. So I just happened to be watching a finance show on TV and they were saying that New York City's vacant office spaces could fill 26 and a half Empire State Buildings. And I thought that was wow, what a what an impactful graphic to showcase and you know and where we are in the office sector. So I thought that was a cool a that cool is stat. kind of sad too. Yeah, <laughs> very sad. It I'm I'm wondering going back to office. Yeah, <laughs> well, back to the office. Get out of the house. <laughs> and it tells you well whether going back to the office or what that office you know experience is like going forward. It, to me, I look at it and think of a lot of opportunities and could you have pop-up retail within these office spaces and things like that see this is where it starts to like what do we do going forward that's space that's awesome let's let's fill it let's figure out what's different 
Without. Right. It's a challenge. So how, how do you solve it creatively, right? Not just the same old drudge going to work with your lunchbox or whatever. So, yeah. Well, we're going to have a lot of indoor pickleball. Yeah. Sports. <laughs> That's true. That's I'm ready. I'm ready. Foosball tables, whatever. Let's do it. <laughs> so my fun stat is um, colleges and universities are very large owners of real estate in the cities where they have their campuses. So since we have two UMs, I thought I'd compare the real estate holdings. And between the three Miami campuses, their main campus in Coral Gables, their medical campus in downtown Miami, and their um, Rosenstiel School of Oceanography in Virginia Key, they have 325 acres that they own or lease and 10 million square feet of research, academic, and healthcare facilities. Now, the other UM, the blue U of M, they weren't as clear with all of their information, but they definitely outsized us. Their main campus is 3,207 acres. And wow. they they make up, well, they did in 2021, they made up 9.4% of all of the property in Ann Arbor, and wow. they just purchased 49 additional properties to provide affordable on-campus living. So you beat us there. Well, I think all those stats are pretty, pretty amazing. And as I like to say, you know, amazing. Um, <laughs> and- Cheesy, but true. Corny, uh, corny, not cheesy. Yeah, corny. Well, there you go. That that's even better. That's so punny. Uh, I no, I, the, the the fist bump really, really sold it. <laughs> <laughs> no, those stats are amazing, and you know the the pieces that are fun to see are how the alumni at each of our schools. Um, impact some of these things. A huge shout out to um, someone that we lost recently, Sam Zell. Sam Zell is a uh, a pioneer in commercial real estate and investments, and it's going to be very sad to see him gone, but definitely not forgotten. He's a University of Michigan alum. And uh, and then one other fact, which is how some of the expansion takes place. I think I was only supposed to do one fact. It's fine. It's okay. I do that all the time. I drive them crazy. I'll give you one more. The co-founder of Google, Larry Page, is a Michigan grad. And so there's a lot of expansion with Google in Ann Arbor. So, yep. That's amazing. Sam Sam Zell, I I do want to say, wrote an amazing book. Anyone who is a commercial practitioner should read it. You know, there's a lot of great nuggets of valuable information in there and and uh, and really a hell of a human being. So cheers to him. Cheers yep. to him. Yep. Well, right. thank you so much, Emily. Everybody join us next week as we continue our discussion with Emily and we do a deep dive into RPR and how they can help you grow your real estate business. Thank you. 